What is up, people? Thank you so much for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We had a big story to talk about at the top of the show. We're going to be talking about, obviously, this bombshell that came out of the Washington Post, where you had 15 women um, present allegations of rampant sexual harassment, rampant uh, verbal abuse, and just all-around gross behavior with the Washington football team that is... uh, now set to be renamed very soon. We actually didn't talk about that. Was that kind of was that last week that that happened? Did we just not talk about it, or was that early this week? This week feels like it's already been like. Yeah, we didn't talk about them officially uh, announcing that they were going to change the name. No. But they they announced that last week or this yeah, week? Yeah, before we did our last show. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't talk about we didn't talk about that. But um, but yeah, the name of the the Washington it, it wasn't it wasn't news until uh they announced what it is. But. Yeah. Yeah, they, 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 um, and it's ironic because some of the dudes that have been accused in this situation, they kind of got fired, like, right as everybody was focusing on the name change, which was, yes. which was, uh, very telling. And it, it perhaps adds context to why there was this rampant refusal to represent the Redskins under any circumstances by FedEx, by Nike. Pictures start to crystallize when you hear some of the, the the growth stuff that we that we had to hear from these women who were brave in telling their story. Uh, now there's a lot of pressure on what happens next with Dan Snyder. We'll talk about that um, at the top of the show. We'll also be talking about Major League Baseball. Uh, Major League Baseball is having its uh, start of the season, 60 game season. Nothing like Major League Baseball that we've seen before. I don't know what to make of this. You know, obviously, you guys know I'm of the all of these sports that are playing in weird circumstances, all these seasons are tainted. And that doesn't mean it can't be fun. And I think this baseball season could actually be really fun considering we're so used to it being kind of a slug to October. Now it's a complete sprint. And I'm curious to see how uh, how this impacts the season, how this impacts perhaps our predictions of what's going to happen. Um, and, of course, we, we hope that everybody remains safe during this whole situation. That's going to add a huge um you know, wrinkle in there as well because, you know, unfortunately with the way things are going, it's inevitable. You're going to have key players at certain points in time test positive for COVID, especially when baseball has not established any kind of bubble bubble environment. These teams will be traveling from place to place to play these games in, in, in empty arenas, but it's going to be something. We'll, we'll see how all this uh, ends up shaking out. And, of course, uh, we'll have uh, Kendall's core at the end of the show. Kendall joins me as well. I, I know people expect Kendall's court at the end of the show to be recruiting news, and I think we will get some of that today. But I also want to talk at the top of the show of some other recruiting news, which, by the way, if you guys know, obviously, you know, we talk about recruiting stuff on this podcast, but we've taken a lot of our content with regards to recruiting and college basketball recruiting to our new podcast, uh, the, the Uncommitted podcast, which... Um, it's always uh, coming out early in the top of each month. And he had some big stories this week that we couldn't obviously do because, you know, we have to wait until uh, the start of October, of August to, to get our next show out. But one of the big ones that dropped, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it in greater detail in a couple of weeks, Kendall, Jonathan Kaminga, the consensus uh, number one player in this upcoming high school class, reclassified and is now going to be playing in the G League, uh, elite elite G League professional pathway program. So this was a kid in Kamenga who was uh, ranked number one 
in his uh in his or well was in the near the top of his prospective class. He was ranked number one in twenty twenty one, number four in the uh, twenty twenty class once he reclassified. But now he's in that system and he will be playing alongside the likes of Jalen Green and Isaiah Todd and uh, Dasheen Nix and uh, Kay Soto, and they all will be part of this uh, this uh, G League program. So another one bites the dust, Kendall. We talked about what the impact will be of the G League program. Here's another one where this was a kid we were expecting to see play college basketball, if not this year, the next year. Now he's, he's in the G League. Another one uh, lost to the NCAA. Lost from the NCAA, rather. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's first of all, Mark Mark Titus from uh, Fox Sports had a very funny uh, tweet where he mentioned he was like, "I need uh, I need uh, some some recruiting expert to explain to me how like Imani Bates, Jalen Green, Kate Cunningham, Chet Holmgren, and John Kaminga are all the number one player in the country." <laughs> well, it's clearly. I mean, yeah, shout out to Mark Titus, who's who's awesome. Um, yeah. just in general. But clearly, Martitis is not aware of like the recruiting culture and the vibe, and he hasn't been on YouTube very often. Uh, we, we've had about five straight the next Steph Curry's every yeah, year. This kid is the next Steph Curry, and then th- th- three weeks from now, you'll see another it, ball is like mixtape being like new Steph Curry. It does get it does get awkward to explain to people every like two months. Oh yeah, the number one player in the country just did this. It's like what? I thought he did something else. <laughs> I, I, what? I thought the, the the I thought the other number one player in the country went to the G League like two months ago. And then you got and then the other then number one player decided to stay at Oklahoma State, <laughs> and the <laughs> other number one player just cut his list to seven schools. Like what? Yeah, it's it's bad. He didn't stay. I thought he was the best player in the country. I don't know. Yeah, it's bad. It's it's like you know, it's funny. I, I have boxing on the TV screen, and it almost rounds you boxing, where it's like you know, yeah, exactly. You know, this guy's a champion. He's like, wait a minute, I thought there was another heavyweight champion. It's like, well, there's multiple belts, and there's different, there's different divisions, and then you got the pound for pound champion. It's it's and then you got the lineal champion within each division. It's 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 a mess. And recruiting is almost like a mixing of it's like a mixture of like boxing and. Like politics, because it's also like the most like like the way you get attention is like the most outrageous. Yeah, it's about height. So it's like you know, you know, number five player exposes blah blah. blah. You know, and like it's the same thing. Like you see yeah. for some of these YouTube channels that do politics, or some of these like you know article these like websites that are super political, super partisan, and, yeah. and how they try to attack attention. It's like you know, well, it's name slams blah 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 blah. Like that's right. how it is. So that's what recruiting is like. Yeah. But um, but but, uh, but what, do you, what do you think of uh, Kamiga making this movement? No, yeah, it's it's um, it's not shocking that he decided not to play college basketball. Um, once he put the G League on his list of five, I think that was kind of the that was kind of the the sign that look, if you're recruiting Giants to Kaminga, it may be time to abort, right? <laughs> because you know that's already kind of just suspect in general. It's like what the G League? Don't they aren't they aren't they offering money? How does that work? I mean, I guess you can. I guess you can negotiate and you don't have to take anything. But it's just like, it's just a red flag. So at that point, you you see where the guy's intentions are. You see what he wants. Um, it's a blow to Texas Tech. They were the team that needed him and felt that they could get him. I mean, they have his brother on the team. Um, so it's definitely a blow to Texas Tech. I, look, Kentucky, Duke. Um, you know, some of the other schools that were recruiting him it was more of a luxury. You know, like I don't. Kentucky doesn't need Jonathan Kaminga. It would probably wouldn't have made sense for their roster anyway. Duke certainly doesn't need Jonathan Kaminga. I mean, he would help. He'd be the best player on either one of those teams. But um, 
Texas Tech is a team that really suffers a blow here. But look, the G League is is a thing. The question I would have, EJ, is how do you feel about this idea that now this G League select team will have multiple guys, you know, like that are that are five star guys, and now right now multiple guys, two guys that are going to be competing to be the number one pick in the draft next year. We were talking about this with Kate Cunningham. You yeah. throw now you throw Kuminga into the mix. You got Kuminga and Jalen Green on the same team. They be playing together. I mean, look, I mean, as we saw with Zion and RJ Barrett, it's not like it's the worst. It's not like we've never seen it before. But it, it is an awkward thing, especially if you're talking about a team of guys that aren't really playing for anything but their draft stock. Like they, they don't there is no other reason for them to be out there than to be trying to play to improve their draft stock. They don't care about the other guy having to eat. They don't care about winning games. So that's gonna be the question. Is how do these guys do that? You know, Zion and Barrett, they were able to sacrifice for the greater good of Duke and winning games. Yeah, they worried about their draft stock, but that was that was running with the fact that we were also trying to win a championship, and they had to sacrifice certain things to do so. These guys aren't trying to win anything, so it's going to be awkward. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna make you know the evaluation process. I think for these kids is also going to be very different because. Yes, like, yes, because, yes, you know, whenever they step on the floor, it's still going to be a big deal. But, you know, you don't get to see what does the guy play like on the road in a tough environment. Okay, what yes. does he do in this particular situation with this team? What does he do when one of his players yeah, is hurt? Game, yeah. Yeah, or, yeah, what happens when you're in, uh, you know, a tournament game and, and you know, uh, you know the the, 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 the 14th seed is, is giving you a run for the money and, and, and the crowd is turned. Yeah. Like, those are instances and experiences you're just not going to have. <laughs> You yeah. can't replicate that with scrimmages and with, you know, uh, you know, just practices and some of these games you're going to have that really won't be real. Yeah. Yeah, real games. I mean, that's that's not you, – you can't really simulate that kind of thing. So it's going to make the uh, process interesting. I'm very curious, like, in terms of drafting, like, what the pressure will be. Uh, I don't want to say it was too long because we, we do got to talk about it on um, – on, uh, they uncommitted, but I do wonder what the process will be in terms of like, will there be pressure for these teams to like take a, a take more of a flyer on these guys than maybe they'd be feel comfortable doing, considering this is an NBA project. Like, well, I, yeah, that's, 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 yeah. I mean, that's a that's a co- obvious conflict of interest when it comes to like evaluating these guys and making decisions. Like, these guys are, are working for the NBA, <laughs> right? So, but like, they, how does that come into play? And the other side is like, because no GM likes this idea. You know, he said it, it, it hurts right. them in terms of evaluation. It dilutes the college game in terms of um, where the best players are. They're all going to one spot. The G League's all on one team. Like, I think the NBA's goal is for there to be multiple versions of this team. Like, it's not going to be all the best yeah, players on one team. Course. I think they want five or six of these teams competing in some mock tournament. But the question would be, like, if these teams don't want that, do this, does it go the other way? Do they say, you know what, I'm not going to draft Jalen Green number one because screw this G League thing. We can't have guys going to the G League. Now, the NBA, they, I mean, the Adam Silver can't tell teams what to do. No, but I think I think he can strongly imply, hey, man, it looks like he's they're sending a message to G League players. I, I feel like I feel like a message will be sent back saying, knock it off. That's the that's the impression I get. I was, Adam Silver, and you know, I think he he commissions the same way David Stern commissioned. He doesn't have to be explicit about things, but I think he could make it very clear. 
hey man, this isn't this isn't going anywhere. So either you know get on board or get out. But we can't have whatever you're doing. You feel me? Yeah, I mean, hopefully teams just made the right decisions for them. Right. You know, and look, I think Jalen Green at the end of the day, like, that, he's nice. Like he's gonna be a top three pick. Kuminga, I think, should be a top three pick. So, I mean, it, it's it, it. Those guys should be fine. And look, if you're the G League, it's an awesome coup to get those two guys in this class because again, those guys are almost locks, barring injury, to be top five picks. So, next year, if you're coming going to the draft and two top five picks are from the D League, that's going to be an excellent, excellent uh, recruiting pitch. But like yeah. I said, we'll talk about that more. Uh, later this month. Yeah, shout out to John Kaminga. I also want to make sure I give a shout out to um, Russell Westbrook. Shout out to uh, Eric Bledsoe. Both guys test positive COVID. What, you know, I guess Russ is trying to recover or is recovering. You know, Bledsoe says he feels fine. I don't know what that means, obviously, because these things can turn very quickly. Um, and shout out to Zion Williamson, who had to leave uh, the bubble to attend uh, some kind of family emergency. You don't ever want to hear that kind of thing. So hopefully all those guys, uh, to the guys that are sick, they get a speedy recovery. Hopefully the Zion, everything turns out to be okay and nothing you know, tragic ends up happening. But um, but yeah, I want to make sure I, I, I we, we note those guys in this podcast. Because uh, we won't be really much more basketball talk outside maybe Kendall's court at the end of the pod. But we definitely had to mention that. Um, let's talk, unfortunately, about this really uh, disturbing situation with the Washington football team. So, uh, the team, uh, Washington's NFL team, which is soon to be renamed, they haven't been named yet. Uh, I'm not naming their previous name since they've gotten rid of it. So, <laughs> that tells me, well, if you've gotten rid of it, then it must be pretty bad. Obviously, I've, I've been for the name change for a minute. So, now I'm, I'm retiring that in terms of my lexicon. So, just to get that out of the way. Uh, Washington's football team is, is uh, now they've hired, I believe, an outside lawyer to look into its business practices after 15 women went to the Washington Post and accused uh, several high-ranking members of the organization of sexual harassment, verbal abuse, and just all around fairly gross behavior and, and pinned it really on Dan Snyder for creating an environment that uh, fostered this kind of behavior. Now, uh, Snyder and Bruce Allen, the team president, none of those guys were named as participating in any kind of sexual harassment or verbal abuse against women, though the article does point out that Snyder is often verbally abusive to his underlings. And these underlings were actually the guys that then went out and started uh, abusing other women and harassing women, which uh, which is why they kind of point to him as kind of starting off uh, setting setting a bad example at the top. So uh, these individuals, they include um, uh, Dennis Green, not, you know, former coach Dennis Green. I asked, I have to be honest, I got scared when I saw that name. I was like, wait, what? Uh, I was like, he didn't work for the Washington football yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, it would have been very confusing. Yeah, but then I saw that Green was spelled differently. I was like, okay, I don't think this is the same guy. Um, he, he was a former president of business operations. There was a chief operating officer, Mitch Gershman. Um, there was an Alex Santos, who he, he him and Richard Mann, uh, the second all, all these guys were bad. I'm not. I'm saying which guys were the worst. I'm like, I don't know, man. All these guys were the scum of the scum when it comes to like these allegations. If all these <laughs> things are true, there's no, there's no other way to describe it. I mean, I yeah, know that. I, I know. I know it sounds harsh, and, and you know, I don't usually come on here calling people scums because I, I try to be responsible with 
the words I use on this podcast, but if the allegations are true, it's the only way to describe these gentlemen. Um, and you really, I wouldn't really call them gentlemen, to be honest. But uh, Alex Santos, who was the former director of player personnel, who was just fired last week. Um, Richard Mann II, who was assistant uh, uh, director of, play, of pro personnel. I think he was their top scouting guy is what I've heard. Um, yes. He's gone as well. And uh, Larry Michael, who was a radio play-by-play guy, he also was the head of all uh, Redskins digital content and media content. He also retired and was like, oh, I got to, you know, on to the next chapter. <laughs> it's like, what? No. Right after the Washington Post contacted him for for Yeah, comment. man, he got out there real quick. You're like, well, they got me. And none of these guys, none of these guys give any comments to this very damning reporting, except for Mitch Gershman. Yeah, Gershman. Basically, he's like, I don't remember, homegirl. So this couldn't have happened. It was like a really ridiculous defense. Um, and the Redskins, oh, sorry, I said the name. Uh, the Washington football team isn't really <laughs> defending. It's going to be hard, man. I'm trying. Um, yeah. The Washington football, because that's what the, been the team name since I've been a kid, and that's all I know. So, But I'm trying my best to continue not say that name. Um, the Washington, Washington is really not the def- like you know in any way denied anything that's happened they've kind of said we're going to try to you know have a review to see what went on um i know uh boy and, and you know a shout out to it's a tepid shout out but I'm, i'll shout out ron rivera cuz he's the only guy that had any guts to kind of say anything on the record of note and, you know, he's, he's telling uh, people that, you know, they're going to try to set an example that's, you know, about the future and not about what's been occurring. You know, he also mentioned to ESPN, uh, whoever wrote his ESPN article, I forgot who it was or whoever he talked to. Um, but he mentioned that, you know, his daughter, uh, John Kang, shout out to him. He, uh, he said that his daughter works for the organization now. So there's, you know, as far as he's concerned, he's going to make sure that this doesn't happen again. And that's funny. I've seen multiple people on Twitter saying that Ron Rivera is going to end up being the owner, the GM, the head of scouting. <laughs> he, he's going to end up. He's going to end up being like Bugs Bunny in the in the baseball, playing every position in the front office for the Washington Res- uh, Washington Football Team. Because uh, this is bad, and, and you know, I mean, I can get into the graphic details, but this included with Santos. He was accosted, uh, accosting. Is that the word? Um, several female reporters with just like crazy, absurd, and uh, ridiculous forward advances. Um, with uh, with uh, <laughs> yeah. with the guy, um, what's the guy? Uh, with Green, who actually of all the all of all these creeps, he seemed to be the one alleged creeps. He seemed to be the one that <laughs> the females in in that in the article seemed to feel like he was in a bad spot and they kind of felt bad for him in some degree. But he was even, you know, encouraging uh, their saleswomen to dress more scantily clad and with more tight-fitting clothes and to he even offered, you know, to get one woman uh, uh, you know, plastic surgery on, uh, to, 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 uh, to, to try to attract people to, you know, buy sweets and buy you know, premium packages for yeah. the for the for the team. I mean, it's yeah. and all the details are in there. You know, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of details in there. The Washington Post story is it's a pretty it's a, it's a pretty easy read. It's long, but it's not like you know, it's like a 
He's not like reading. You know, it's it's an easy. There, read. there are no like dull moments in the article. No, no, it's all it's all crazy. It's all bad. Um, when you saw this article, Kendall, I guess first I asked like, what was your take on it, and and then I guess we'll go from there. What did you, what did you make when you saw this? I mean, we were hearing. I texted you the other day that I Jason Lockenfora had been. He was tweeting like, "Yo, the Washington Redskins culture is about to be put on blast." Again, and I'm like, what's he talking about? And like, he was the first guy I heard say anything that like that was that explicit. And then a lot of reporters kept t- saying, "Oh, there's a big story about to drop. We're, we're ready whenever this drops." And you know, there was crazy rampant rumors on Twitter. And I thank God, uh, you know, we didn't have somebody just jump out the window with some of these unconfirmed rumors that I was seeing. I was seeing some crazy things that I'm not even going to mention on air because it was just so absurd that. I'm glad nobody again tried to run with it, trying to get ahead of a story that they didn't have. But <laughs> that McAfee was close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've seen the Twitter rumors, and when you see rumors like that, part of me wants okay. What? How much is, is any of this like off the record stuff that people got that now is not being put in an article? I, you know, you never know. But nonetheless, it was, none of that stuff was reported. Some of the stuff I was seeing, it was put Dan <laughs> Snyder in criminal activity. Yeah. Like you know, what I'm saying it was it was crazy. So. None of that stuff I saw, none of that's confirmed in this article. This is purely about this particular incident. It was funny. Adam Schefter tweeted, um, you know, how about all the stuff about how they might have been paying refs and was talking about, you know, how he asked a, he, he asked a source or Washington source about this that report. And they were like, well, you know, first of all, he denied it. And they said, you know, well, clearly, you know, if we were paying refs, we want our money back. Yeah, we want our, we want that's, our that's money. That's bad back. money. <laughs> that's bad money. But yeah, no, I mean, this this is um, obviously, like you said, awful, awful, awful stuff. Um, you know, obviously, the thing people have been talking about over the last couple of days is, um, you know, what's the future of Dan Snyder? You know, versus you know. Th- depending on what comes out. And to me, I think, look, I think there is a case here to, to remove Dan Snyder. I think there is a case. Um, you know, I think just like we talked about with the with the name change and, you know, FedEx and some of these, and those other companies deciding to put pressure on uh, the team to change their name, I don't think that this, I don't think that if this were a winning, more competent appearing owner, I don't think that this would be the end, a la Mark Cuban. But because Snyder is been a loser and also allows this stuff to happen, and you can argue whether or not it's a good thing or not. You know, that's that's a whole nother, that's up for debate. But I think that's the truth. I think Snyder is is would be is in serious danger because I think it's like the NBA with James Dolan or the NBA with Donald Sterling, honestly. They're expendable. Where, yeah, they're very expendable. They're waiting for an excuse to get rid of this guy. Jeff Bezos wants to buy the the wants to buy Washington tomorrow, and it, I can guarantee you that the NFL would probably rather have Jeff Be- Bezos. Maybe not the other owners, but Roger Goodell would probably rather have Jeff, Be- Jeff Bezos as the owner of the of Washington rather than Dan Snyder. So I think there's going to be pressure, some serious pressure applied on Snyder, and don't don't think for a second that the name change had nothing to do, had nothing to do with this. It absolutely had something to do with the stuff that was coming out. 
not necessarily the fact that they're changing their name because that's again that's something we've we've talked about for years but dan snyder's all of a sudden you know epiphany that he's got to change the name 100 percent had some had something to do with these potential allegations coming out i think that employees were talking i think he knew that they had a story potentially and I didn't want to get out in front of it. And uh, look, I mean, I didn't work. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that, that I don't think it's healthy in that much. Um, and it's only gonna, it's only gonna hurt, you know, whatever red carpet unveiling they're going to have for their name and logo. is going to be kind of, it's gonna be kind of lame. Just when you think about like all the stuff that that's been going on in the organization. I, look, I, it's, it's not, it's 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 no secret around the league that the that Washington is a more run franchise in all aspects. Like a lot of people will look at the teams losing ways and say, because well, there are, look there are a lot of losing franchises in sports. Not every losing franchise is a mess in all operations of the business. Of course, but I had heard well before this that washington was was bad in all operations of the business and you, you never know what people are talking about what the details are but it's not it the it, it's it's it was put in in a sense that that's not really a place you'd ever really want to work <laughs> dan snyder is not really a person you really ever want to work for and it's 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 not surprising when you see something like this come out and you're like well, yeah, no wonder the, the franchise that is that is always losing and had a racist nickname and didn't want to change it for uh, years. And then was like brazen about how they weren't going to change it, and like yeah. was like arrogant about how they were. Yeah, gonna arrogant, it. defiant about it. it. It's like one plus one equals two. I'm not I'm not saying that you know like it's a guarantee that Dan, like Dan Snyder was that this was going to happen or whatever, but it's just don't color me shocked when something like this happens. For sure. I mean, to me, like to me, whenever I see certain obvious, uh, obvious public acts of arrogance, like Dan Snyder with this Washington nickname that they had, it makes me it always makes me wonder what else are you willing to accept and allow like to me like that's a that's a very fair question and because you know and look sometimes 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 people are just on a hill and they're willing to die on it and they're wrong on one particular thing and it's really bad and maybe that's it but most times if you really if you that if you again if like this guy wasn't just like Look, I'm, I'm a, taking a principled stance on not wanting to change his name. This was a, he did the, epi, the epitome of you know spiking the ball in the end zone every time you know people tried to get them to change the name and he squashed it. Like he he he, he danced in the end zone every time he, he was able to get out of whatever you know initial controversy that started it that that tried to get people to to move them away. He 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 was. Uh, celebratory in his ability to keep this name and keep this tradition that he thought was so um, untouchable. So when I see that and I see you act like that, it always makes me wonder, you know, what else are you willing to accept and allow? And what else are you um, 
do, do you do you want to celebrate and, and and feel like it's part of culture? Like I'm always going to feel that way, especially when it comes to issues of race and not even race. But to me, this was almost more empathy, where it's just like people feel a certain way about something you're saying you represent, and for you not to even consider their feelings tells me a lot. So I hate to say that. I mean, this is shocking. I can't say this is not surprising. It's it's surprising in the sense that it's just it's, it's shocking that like wow man like to see like the, these allegations laid out so obviously so non they they they're non contested like it's, it's to me once we heard what we heard about the Dallas Mavericks and the Carolina Panthers mm-hmm. to me I I I just don't I don't, I'm not surprised by these things anymore now again it's certain organizations I mean there there are other organizations that obviously aren't run like this. You know, and there, there are plenty of organizations. Now, look, I'm a Celtics fan, but if you told me something like this was happening within the Boston Celtics organization, I would be shocked. That's just me personally knowing the people, sure. you know, that are, are figureheads there and people that are higher up. I would be very surprised. But there are other organizations, like this organization, where if you told me this happened, it, would, it wouldn't be the craziest thing I've ever heard. Based on things that we've it's happened at other places that I would assume would be a little more competent. So... It's yeah. it, it, to me. Uh, it's not. I again. It, it's it's always surprising when you hear anything happen. I mean, look, there are rumors and reports that Tory Lane shot Meg the Stallion. <laughs> you know, and that's totally off topic. But like, it's very off topic. I, I want to see where you, how you're gonna connect these two. Go ahead. <laughs> right, right. Shout out to Megan. By the way, I hope she recovers. Right. And like that, that that <laughs> that that is a shocking headline. That is very surprising in general. Regardless of the figures, the figures involved, it's just the idea that you know one celebrity may have shot another is like what? So any like any a lot of things can be surprising, but something like this is while yes surprising in general that this happened. It happened in a Washington Post thing that no one expected up until this week. Um, but then when you when you kind of step back and you think about you know you connect the dots and you think about what we've seen before is like eh. Stuff you've heard about Washington before, it's 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 believable, very very believable, and it's fortunately happens in in corporate America, and it's 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 a shame. Um, but I think stuff like this is not going to be tolerated uh, anymore. It's, it shouldn't be. It should have should have never been tolerated. And honestly, I think um, you know, hopefully this is a, this is a this is a point uh, in that organization. Uh, it's a, it's, hopefully, this is a major turning turning point. I feel like the major turning point is uh, getting rid of Dan Snyder, but I, I I think that I don't think I know it's been the topic of conversation is is will Dan Snyder survive this? I don't know. My gut tells me he probably won't. It's so this is such a weird period because I feel like in some ways we kind of talk about it with every story we do with these situations with these scandals. It's like and I terrible that we're in this predicament but every time i always have to ask the question does the covid pandemic hurt or help his the, the whatever individual case is in somehow weathering the storm that they're in and i hate to use the phrase weathering the storm like this is just some bad situation like this is very very disturbing stuff and i'm sorry if that sounds flippant how i'm describing dan snyder's situation especially considering you had well, women who felt uh, like complete targets during this whole situation but part of me is like, okay, if there's no season and things look as dire as they look right now, 
I don't think this goes away, but is there a way forward with him? I don't know. It it feels hard I, to believe, but I also I, feel he, like Mark Cuban almost lost him Mavericks, man. That dude won a championship. Yeah, I, yeah. It, it doesn't. It feels to go on TV and cry to get people to forgive him. And the people really didn't forgive him, but. You know, the, the fans of the organization forgot, forgave him, and a lot of that's because he's a winner. But no fan of the of, of Washington is going to forgive Dan Snyder. I guess the reason why I say that I'm, I'm skeptical still, though I lean that he will have to, or he have to, will, whatever the situation, that he will eventually not be the owner, is this, this is a man that's, again, so petty. Like, like you mentioned, no... Bezos has been dreaming about the idea of buying the Washington football team. There ain't no way in hell Dan Snyder is taking any of Jeff Bezos' money for this team. I don't care if it's $10 billion. He's not taking the money. Not after this. People who don't understand, obviously Bezos, owner of Amazon, also owns the Washington Post, who just... um, I'm not gonna say what I was gonna say. They 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 really they hammered the West the Washington football team here. <laughs> they 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 hammered them. Let's just put it that way. And with that being said, I can't see now him saying, "Okay, I'll like I'll take your your six billion just to give you this after what you did to me, the public the public humiliation that you put me through." And I, again, when I say public humiliation, of course, none. I'm speaking in his words. None of this compares at all to the humiliation he allegedly allowed these women to go through on a just routine basis. So again, preface that by saying that, but, um, but yeah, like, to, like to me, like that, that part of it, it's like, okay, if, okay. So if Bezos is not getting the team. Cause I don't think there's any way in hell he's getting the team now. Look, there's plenty of Washington billionaires who absolutely would be interested in buying the team who could buy it or any billionaire. It doesn't have to be from Washington. Yeah. I, I just, Look at David Tepper yeah. in Carolina. Didn't he come from? I want to say he came from Pittsburgh. Something or, like, yeah, sounds right. You know, like yeah. Jimmy Haslam came. Yeah, he, he came from another team. Like the, a lot of times, it may, you may just end up being a, a minority owner from another team. Saying, "Oh, I can be a majority owner now." Right. It's exactly. Very weird stuff. It's, I don't. I don't know how that works. It doesn't work like that in the NBA. Yeah. That's I mean, well, that. you did have with uh, Vivek. Went from uh, yeah, Golden State, Golden State, and, and on, on the Warriors. So you do get that every now and then, but that it's just the idea of, of of I guess that what I'm hung up on is what grounds do the NFL have to make him sell the team? Like that isn't a that he he he's hurt the the overall value and like this isn't a um. Like, the, like, from a money standpoint, like, you could argue, like, this could hurt this their... This conduct detrimental to the league in an extreme way. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the easiest, like... Right. Oh, like... And when I make with these questions, I'm not I'm not passing judgment. Some people may think, right. I'm crazy. I know Darren Rell's getting barbecued for saying, oh, sorry, guys, this ain't gonna do it. And it's like, really? This is your that's... reaction to that? Yeah, like, Darren This is not Rell, me doing I, that. I, look, I've got... What I will say about that is... Your reaction, just in general, this isn't talking about anybody specifically, but your reaction to this can't be, oh, well, I mean, look, he wasn't paying players, so this isn't that bad. So he wasn't paying refs, so it wasn't that bad. So, like, sorry, but Dan Snyder's still the owner. That just can't be the reaction. Any 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 reaction to abuse can't be met with that kind of flippant, Uh, only only sports perspective viewpoint. Like, that can't be 
how again lack of empathy you got to have empathy yeah for some of these things. yes this is a I, look, I read this story kendall i was extremely sad i will get to that in the I'll, i want you to talk about snyder and i want to get to that in a second but Yes, empathy needs to be there. But I'm, so when I, the reason why I say that is because when I ask these questions, I'm not asking passing judgment. I'm asking because I don't know. I, I'm, I'm putting it out there because this is a, a tough case for me. And for, for better or for worse, there are going to be multiple sides to this. And I'm sure Snyder isn't going to willingly give up his team. So I think it's okay. What are the grounds for the NFL to say you can't own this team If anymore? the fans are vocal enough, and, and I don't know if they will be. They, they, it, I, I haven't gotten a sense yet. It's still early. We got to see kind of. To be clear, those they, fans despise Dan Snyder. Let's just make that. Yeah, they've already been vocal. They were, hope, they were cheering for this to be really bad. Yes, they, they and, were. That shows you how yeah. terrible things are there. Yeah, exactly. And look, honestly, like if this was the Knicks, fans would also be cheering for this to be really bad. You know, like when you have a bad owner, you know, like that. You Which kinda I want to stress also is, you know, it's unfortunate because we shouldn't be celebrating <laughs> right. abuse. I want to make yeah. that clear. Yeah, but but I only say that because that had to be said. But also, Kendall needs to say that what he just said because it illustrates just how toxic the situation in Washington is. That yes. while that we don't condone that or think that that's the good the right mentality, maybe. right? This is just how messed that's up the it's reality been. of how these fans feel. Exactly. Now go ahead. Yeah. And <laughs> so, but if that becomes if if it becomes so vocal uh, amongst uh, social media and look, we talk about cancel culture, and you know, I'm not saying that this is even cancel culture because this is this is this is a actual expose that came out. But um, I like I don't think Snyder's going to be able to survive this. I understand it's technically he owns the it's, it's his property, quote unquote. He owns the the rights to the team, but um, I think they can. I think there are grounds to where you can force him to sell. Now again. That's because I, I worry about the long-term financial uh, impact of this report. And you could argue it's not really directly tied to this report as, as much as it's tied to all the losing on top of this report. But it's still a, 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 a sliver for them to say, you know what, we all got to vote. We got to vote you out. I'm sorry. You know, and or something along those lines. So that's that's going to be the conversation. Um Really, it just depends how many friends does Dan Snyder have amongst the, uh, the other NFL owners. If he is, if he's a part of their clique, really, I don't know. I I, I, can, I I never. It's funny. I know everyone else hates him, but I, you, I feel the same way. I never have a good vibe on what the other owners think of him. Yeah, I don't, because you never know. Because they're all billionaires, they could all be like, "Ah, oh, yeah, Dan. I mean, he's a little crazy. Fans don't like him, but I mean, we talk to him about stocks. He's pretty cool. I don't know." They, they could like him. Yeah, there's but. so much about NFL ownership that it's just about being part of the clique. Like, that's why President Trump and a lot of people feel the reason why he's so outspoken against the NFL and some of the things they do when they don't match, I guess, his vision of America is part of because they rejected him from the clique, but they wouldn't yeah. allow him to buy the Buffalo Bills. And it's a very, it's a very exclusive group, you know, men that own it. Unfortunately, it's all men who own NFL and all white men. It could be or non-black men. Are, are there female owners? Uh, I think the the Lions. Okay, so okay, I didn't. I forgot about that. So um, a lot yeah. of it is passed down, obviously, but sure, right. But um, but the 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 people, the that that own NFL teams is such an exclusive club that while you know 
this guy has caused a lot of damage, they may just they may like Gail Benson also not to cut you off, but who's Gail, that? Right, Benson. right, you're right yeah. about that, Gail Benson. Um, so exclusive club. So, so what's the process of getting someone out of it? We've never seen it done before. Like mm-hmm. we never seen someone force, just like we never saw it with the NBA. Yeah, like we never. So I don't know what this process is. Like we know, like look, if anything were to happen with James Dolan, even remotely uh, egregious, the NBA would be fr- trying yeah, to hope. Yeah, they get them out of there to yeah. get him out there, just like it happened with Sterling, because Sterling wasn't liked. Dolan's not very liked. Like those things are very obvious. But even like you said, the NFL, the NFL also their owners are very. Besides a select few, you know, a Jerry Jones. Uh, a Robert Kraft, a lot of them are kind of shadowy, you know. Yes. You know, the NBA, they're all courtside, and yes, I agree. Always with the media, the NFL is a, is a lot, shad- a lot more shadowy. It's why it's hard. There's, to there's, a, there's an Illuminati feel to NFL ownership that right. is not the same with the NBA. Right. So because of that, I can't tell you whether or not the NFL, but assuming other NFL owners like worry about like the best interests of the Washington franchise in general, and just needing a historical franchise and in a in a big market um to thrive <laughs> they if that if they want that to thrive they feel like that's in the best interest of the league then yeah they're gonna vote out dan snyder or i think they'll find a way using this to get to get rid of dan snyder if if they look at it some owners may look at it as wow i mean look you do this to him i mean like, I, I could be next that's so, what they yeah. that's what that's literally was what was being said about sterling Yes, like the people forget. That's what I mean. And ironically, the guy who was talking that talk was Mark Cuban. It was Mark Cuban? It was like, well, you're gonna do this. That's a slippery slope. That's what he, the word he kept using. The yeah. words he kept using. It's a slippery slope. We just decide we don't like him, so we can get rid of him. Ironic, right. what we heard or learned about Mark Cuban's organization right. years later. Like, and look, man, we know where the NFL owners stand socially, so. This kind of thing, they may feel, I don't know. Now, at the same time, be fair, they got Jerry Richardson out of there. They got him out of there, and yeah, he got he moved with the quickness, and it was like you, you didn't even know he was there. Yeah, it was, like, yeah, it was yeah. like some stuff started bubbling, and he sold the team. His, yeah, his statue, was, his statue torn down like in a day. Yeah, he was gone. He was gone immediately. And like, and that, and like, <laughs> it was funny because, like, to me, that also kind of like, Kind of speaks to the the shadowy movements of the NFL owners because like the, yeah, Ster- the Sterling thing was very public. It was that very, was all over, all over the place. The Jerry Richardson thing, which was very disturbing, also was <laughs> not. <laughs> that yeah. was the complete opposite. The Cuban thing was all over the place. Like, I think Cuban had to make a public right. apology on national TV. It's like the NFL owners have some powers, but they just know, all right, we're gonna off this guy. Yo, gonna sell a team and you out <laughs> like it's just and he's gone and you know again we don't jerry richardson who, yeah we barely people, know people who don't know who i'm even talking about jerry richardson yeah. was was the owner of the carolina panthers yeah, a lot of those same people probably couldn't tell you who the owner of the panther is now right exactly and so, even though kendall mentioned them earlier in the show yeah i didn't <laughs> he probably if it went right over people's yeah head. probably i don't know who he's talking about like he was the owner of the team and kendall mentioned a lot of these people being shadowy figures he was probably one of the few that wasn't all that shadowy like you kind of, if you, if you knew anything about football, like he was someone who wanted to be out here, yeah. And he wanted people to know, yeah, I used to play. So and- this wasn't like an anonymous dude who like owned the team and then got they got him out of there. Like this was a guy people knew, and they still moved him out of there anonymously, pretty much. But with Snyder, 
it this feels so explosive. It's like I don't know how the NFL reacts to something like this. Like this seems this is a radioactive situation, which is why again I lean towards first of all, of course I think he should go. Whether what question is whether or not they can and will effectively get him out. I lean yes, but I still don't know. This is something totally different that we haven't seen the NFL deal with. Not in this way. We've had we've seen them fight owners before. They fought Robert Kraft, they fought Al Davis. But it was never to get him out of the league. It was always something that, in in the large scheme of things, is very petty compared to this. This is something totally different, and it's a uh, and and one thing we unfortunately can we do know about these things is when you have, you know, one Me Too story come out, it usually there's more there's more stuff if you keep pulling that thread. Now this is a very expansive article. Yeah, it's very expansive. And I mean, how much more could we learn? But I'm not putting it past anybody that we don't learn more about how terrible that place is. Again, everyone you talk to speaks about how terrible it is with that Washington franchise. So yeah. that I could be the risk too. Is like you let this guy rock, what else is gonna come out with this team? Yeah. I mean look, we don't know how many NDAs have been signed by by people that work for the by people that work in Washington. You know, and people that maybe decide I'm not I don't I don't really need to talk about this or didn't even know that this was a story that was coming out. You know, like they I don't it may not even be people that worked under the organization. It could have been people that just know people that works for the organization. Like there there could be more stuff. It could be stuff on Snyder. We don't know. It could be stuff on a lot of people. We don't know. But it's 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 still. I don't know. I mean, again. The only reason they wouldn't get rid of Snyder over this is because they were scared of their own backs. If talking about other NFL owners, and I think that's a legitimate—I don't say it's a legitimate concern because I'd hope it's not, but it probably is. But it's—it's it's a legitimate question: is whether or not these these owners are going to get rid of Snyder over this, knowing that, you know, I'm not saying that this is happening in every organ, NFL, NFL organization because it absolutely isn't, but that there it could be happening in other organizations. Or things similar. Sadly, is happening all over the world. So, exactly. Keep it certainly, certainly, variations of the stuff that we've heard about Washington happening amongst some other NFL organization. That that's 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 a a leap I'm willing to take. And so, because of that, is like do other NFL owners. Maybe they don't even know. They like. If you're going to believe Snyder, Snyder's going to come out and say, I didn't know any of this was happening. It's so sad or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, if you're just going to believe the idea that, look, maybe these owners around the league, they don't know all the crazy stuff that's happening. Like Mark Cuban, he just didn't know. Honestly, they still, you still may not know. You still may, you may say to yourself, well, I don't know really anything that's, I haven't heard of anything bad that's happening, but I don't know. Maybe there is something that I haven't been, I haven't been made privy to. And I can get voted out. I can get. I, I, I can be forced to sell my team over that. So again, that's a very you know, that's an example that's very unlikely. But it's, I guess in theory possible, you may have that be a reason why they may not vote him out. So that that's becoming a more legitimate uh, conversation in my mind about look. They may they may say to themselves, you know, we're not going to vote him out because uh, we want to protect our own skin, but. Um, at the end of the day, we saw with Sterling, I think PR is 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 going to be best, and I think Sterling is a Donald Sterling like figure. I'm not saying he's a racist. Uh, I mean, you could say that. Snyder, you mean? Yeah. 
No, yeah, I'm saying like Snyder. Yeah, Snyder, yeah. Snyder is a sterling like figure in terms of not being liked amongst NFL fans, uh, his own team's fans, his own team. Uh, yeah, <laughs> his players. Own, yeah, his players, and arguably other NFL owners, and and probably the commissioner of the NFL. So because of that, you can argue that um, this will be enough to get rid of. Like, regardless, like, the PR is going to be so bad. Like, this is going to be talked about, especially you talk about the the coronavirus aspect of this. There's nothing else to talk about. What else are you going to talk about? Right. Baseball doesn't start for a week, which we'll talk about baseball soon. Yep. The NBA doesn't start for two weeks. I don't know. It's not, it's not, this is not good if you're Dan Snyder. Well, the one thing, two last things kind of before we move on to talk about the start of baseball season. Well, a couple things. One... I suggest anyone listen to the Sterling, I think it's called the Sterling Files, the 30 for 30 documentary, especially if you want to know, like, the Sterling process. Or oh, Sterling Tapes, maybe, something like that. Um, it's a 30 for 30 podcast on, you know, Donald Sterling and him being banned from the NBA. And it's very curious, uh, rather very interesting um, in light of kind of now me thinking about it and, and seeing this thing and how it's going to play out. One of the things that Adam Silver says in that, uh, thirty for thirty podcast is he knew he knew that the first few weeks was going to be crucial. The first few days was going to be crucial. That like how they moved early was going to determine whether or not they could actually get him out the league. So that's going to be I think the, the the thing to watch with the NFL is do they try to actually try to sit this out and try to let this rock like the NBA. Determined they could not. I think there were there were obvious reasons why they couldn't. You're a league full of black men. Um, that's majority black men in terms of its, its its employees, in terms of the people that are on the court. And you have a guy talking about black men this way. Like there's no way this can. You, they they decided rightfully this could not continue. The NFL is not all women, and there's a lot of and and, and not even all women in uh, in the front offices. So. Um, how that differs and whether that how that um, affects the NFL's motivation and and, um, and efforts to, to to work quickly and swiftly this, will be interesting. This would be a for you know like this would I be know, a cool yeah. mess. Like just in terms of like the idea that like you know yeah it obviously like you said not a whole lot of women you know, in personnel positions right now in the NFL, but man, talk about a bad message sending. If you say to yourself, like, you know, yeah, we're going to let this slide. Like you're trying the NFL has tried very hard over the last couple of years to market themselves to female, to female audiences. And this is the last thing yeah. they needed. And that from that perspective. And I mean, you know, it's very, again, very horrific stuff, man. In that article, you feel very bad for the people involved um, you know, that were victims of this. I mean, you know, people them talking about like this is their dream job, you know, to work like in the NFL and now you know, and now like they don't they don't even dare want to work in sports again. It's just really really awful stuff. Um Yeah, I was gonna make a quick statement about how um nothing spells incompetence more than not having an HR department at a multi billion dollar company. But that's apparently what the situation with the Washington football team. Which is still astonishing that they literally hired an HR person like last year, but 
Yeah, very bizarre. Um, but to stay on that last point, I want to make this my last point. Um, I want to give my hearts out to uh, the women who work in media, the women who work in sports. I, 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 that, I can't imagine. That would be very hard to read, to, to, to see, you know, kind of those allegations, all those, yeah. all that misconduct kind of put yeah. out there and to see how it was fostered and it was, um, you could argue encouraged by the fact that they didn't do anything about it. But even if you don't want to say encouraged, it was at least allowed, um, unfettered. It's mm-hmm. tough, man, because, you know, being a female is tough by itself. But being a female in sports or female in media is is even more tough because such a it's been such a male dominated space those two spaces, and then you combine them together for some of these women who were reporters who were attacked, and of course you had the women who were just employees, not media members, but employees of the company, also if NFL franchises you know dominated by men, also being attacked. Uh, yeah, it's, they just they deserve they deserve just you know our prayers, man, because this is like. Uh, that was that was really really again really disturbing. Like to think that, as you said, like that's why when I said earlier I felt sad by this. Like I really did, because I guess just going to the combine, you know, just going to the combine. Right. Yeah, going, I mean, think about the, how like amazing an experience that's supposed to be. Like, yeah, you're going you know, to the I, NFL I know, combine. But like you know the that prime steakhouse at the combine, like that's where all the NFL figures go to mingle and kind of you know like just. That's that's where everyone is, you know. It, like if you go to the summer league, there are certain spots in Vegas where a lot of NBA players and NBA personnel stay or go to. Like that prime steakhouse in Indianapolis is where a lot of people in the NFL go to during the week of the scouting combine. So to hear crazy stuff like that happening there is just very sad. But I don't know. I mean, again, like you said, you just it's not it just leaves you speechless, honestly. Yeah, I think especially because like. You know, we 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 know we, this is a dream for us. Like what we're trying to do, yeah. what we are doing, what we have done, has been a dream. Yeah. So the idea that you have these these women, you know, living the dream, like they, they think they're about to live the dream, and be met by such just gross behavior. Yeah, by some clowns. Straight up scumbags. Again, no other way to describe the yeah. alleged. The alleged actions of these men, yeah, and to see them, I mean, the, again, this article talking about you know women. We cry in the bathroom four out of five days a week, like every yeah, day. That's bad, man. Like some like like that. If that doesn't make you sad, I don't know. I honestly don't know what makes you sad, listener. Like yeah. to me, like that's that's unbelievably sad that you could be working for an NFL football team, a football team with the history of the Washington football team. For, you know, regardless of what we think about their name and their imagery. Um, or covering the Washington football team, you know what I'm saying? Like, like that's your beat. That's one of the most like sought after beats probably in the, in the NFL. Oh, um, not probably, definitely. Yeah. And this is your experience working with these people, and you feel like you have because that's the one thing I kept hearing in every single account is you feel completely powerless. There's nobody you can go to that will put it into it. Nobody that will be put in place. <laughs> yeah, no thing will happen. Is... Nothing will happen. Like that to me is like the saddest. That's the saddest like existence. And that's why I this. Think I think that's why this happened. I'll be honest. Yeah, like, of course. 
You know, like I, I, I don't want to say like, of course, this is gonna happen in any in any organization, in any structure. But it's, I part of you wondered if these guys were more emboldened by the fact that there was no eight hard apart. Like it's very, very like, kind of simple stuff. You know, especially you know, I mean, I don't know, I don't want to speculate on what these guys, what their mindsets were, but like, it's just, it's, it's just very bizarre. That's why I said there's nothing that spells incompetence more than not having an HR department. Like that's yes. cr- like. I know there's a lot of other crazy revelations that need way more Makes attention than that aspect of it, but I think that to NFL, me is nuts. I think the NFL needs to establish, first of all, they need to establish a requirement for every organization to have a multiple staffed HR department. But um, I think the NFL should have their own independent human resources, human resource office. Facts. You're right about that. That's a great point. Employees can go to, employees of all NFL teams can go to to litigate certain situations. So, I mean, honestly, I think that's that's an immediate change that can happen tomorrow. But um, those are just two recommendations for me. Oh, EJ. Oh, sorry, yeah, no, I, my mic is muted. Um, <laughs> what are you saying? No, I was saying that, um, that's a good point, too, because one of the things that... Uh, that was uh, noted was by one of the people who worked in the video department with the play-by-play guy. And his idea was he didn't think to bring it up to anybody because, like, everybody's trying to keep a job. And it's easy for anybody playing Monday morning quarterback to be like, this guy is, you know, is a coward and whatever. But that's unfortunately the reality of these situations. I mean, you're trying to pursue a dream. Again, like that guy is trying to pursue a dream. And... He may feel like I don't want to, you know, do something that's going to ruin, you know, my, my future prospects. Unfortunately, what again, what you allow when you feel like you're in a compromised position can be rough. So, um, so that 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 was the the prevailing thought too was every female was like I even if there was someone to go to, who would I go to? They weren't going to listen to me, and it could be the end of my career. Or the men who saw it, it was you know. What, what am I really supposed to do? Like, you know, we're just lowly video people. Like, we just hoped it would stop, I guess. Like, you know, it's all sad, man. All sad. Like I said, man, my heart goes out to all those women. Um, the women who were named, or at least the 15 women who went on the record. There's, I'm sure now, dozens of women who probably didn't go on the record who experienced all this. Because, again, these aren't situations where, oh, it was only this short, brief period where this was happening. You know, this is... You know, what I mean, women have gone probably in and out of those buildings, those buildings, and have had to deal with this. These are long-standing employees that we're talking about, and it's just sad, man. It's just really sad. But um, let's let's try to bring up the spirits of this podcast. Let's talk about the major league baseball season. It is um very close to being underway. We'll have spring, oh, summer training games this weekend, and we'll have uh, of course the sixty-game slate starting next week. Kendall, you look at the season. What do you think is what? What's the biggest storyline you'll be following? What do you think is is the is the one thing when you look at uh, this baseball season that you'll be mostly keeping an eye on? Um, I mean, look, I, it's I'm 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 very excited, obviously, for this baseball season. Uh, like I said, you mentioned the sixty games p- portion of this to me is arguably the most exciting part. Um. Because, like you said, every game is going to matter. 
You know, they're like, I'm not going to be more invested to each individual game because of this format. I probably shouldn't be, but um, I feel like it gives more teams a chance. Um, Like, as a Giants fan, you know, one of the worst teams in the league uh, from a roster standpoint has been have been one of the worst teams in the league over the last three three years. Um, I I feel more confident that we could make the playoffs in this format than we could in a in a 162 game format. As crazy as that sounds, now, I don't think we're making the playoffs the postseason. Uh, all even though it's an expanded field. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I still still got my marbles, EJ. But uh, even though even though it's an expanded uh, field, I still don't think we're making the postseason. But Logically, if you're talking about a, a 162 game season, of course things can go wrong. But more often than not, the more games you play, the larger sample size, the better teams will ultimately prevail. You know, it's just that's just uh, numbers. So because of that, you know, playing a 60 game season, you feel like, um, look, man, maybe you get hot early on, and you know, you, sp- you play well, and there's not there's not a whole lot of time for things to go bad because it's only 60 games. So. Um, that gives a lot of teams a chance. Again, of course, an expanded field this season uh, for the postseason. Next couple seasons, I believe, is going to be expanded. But the uh, universal DH is something we have to look out for. Uh, how teams in the NL operate with <laughs> with the DH. Um, and the thing I'm most looking forward to, to answer your question, I was taking a lot of things. But the thing I'm taking, the thing I'm, I'm looking most forward to is going to be uh, th- honestly, the team that got really lucky by all the obvious, you know, news in our country that's outside of baseball, and obviously, and honestly, just the news within the sport that's kind of marked this thing irrelevant. But the Houston Astros, yeah, um, you know, the Houston Astros were in a situation where, uh, in February, they were the 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 they were the black mark on the entire sports industry. They were they were the 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 most hated team the most hated brand in the entire world of sports for a month stretch. And once everything shut down and baseball had their back and forth about, you know, the players and the, and the league had their back and forth. We kind of all forgot about that. But once games start up, I don't think guys have forgot about it. I think once the Astros, once you realize, Oh, we're playing the Astros today. Oh, I can't wait. I think, I think there's going to be some interesting, interesting situations going on. So, I'm 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 very fascinated to see how the Astros do, and not only from a from a tension standpoint, because I mean, look, the drama is going to be great. You know, whether or not guys throw at the Astros or not, whether or not uh, there's some heated back and forth going on between between teams that face the Astros. I'm also interested. How do the Astros look? Given first of all, you can't cheat anymore. Uh, AJ Hinch is gone. Cole, Cole, Cole is gone. gone. Yeah, Garrett Cole is gone. And like I said, you can't cheat anymore. So what what do the numbers look like? Is Altuve as good as he think as we think he is? Is <laughs> Bregman as good as we think he is? Is Correa? I think Correa is as good as we think he is. But I'm a little skeptical about Altuve. I'm a little skeptical about Bregman. You know, Springer. I'm not sure about. So I, I I'm interested to see how these guys produce this season. If Altuve can continue to put up MVP type numbers. Yeah, I think the Astros are definitely going to be. Definitely a team to watch for sure. At the uh, you know to, because of all this controversy surrounding them, um, another team I think that's going to be really, really interesting to watch is going to be the LA Dodgers because I feel like of all the teams that probably were 
most that that the shortened season hurts that late the shortened season that at the very least kind of muddies the waters the most for is probably the Dodgers because when you look at their roster you feel like this is clearly the most talented team in the National League and yes and besides the Yankees they would be undoubtedly the most talented team in baseball like the Yankees have a good debate and you can go back and forth there there is no debate with anyone else but like just like you said like the end the 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 totality of a season means that the cream rises to the top because teams get, you know, teams that go on, you know, a really hot one month or two month stretch start to fall apart as teams catch up to them and uh, the, just the law of averages. Some teams just have bad luck or good luck in a certain stretch of the season. And like the luck part of the game kind of is, is eliminated when you have teams as talented as the Dodgers. And because you have this 60 game stretch, and so much has been put on this season. Like you're, you went and got uh, uh, Mookie Betts. You went and got David Price. You already have a star-studded roster. Like you built your roster to to, to be to outlast everybody 162 games and in the playoffs. And then it's be like, well, actually, it's a sprint. So you guys better be on top of your game immediately with all the pressure that this team already faces. But everyone's still feeling like this team is a team that can't get it done in October. Can't get it done when it matters most. That's the team I'm curious with because I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of pressure for this team to get the job done. And the circumstances around the season are so unpredictable. Forget about just the 60-game season, but you also got, of course, coronavirus and who gets, who may get contracted by a certain point, who may have to sit out for two weeks, who may never come back when they get COVID, as I've mentioned in basketball. That's going to happen. There are going to be guys that get COVID and are going to be done for the year. And, and how that affects the team, like all those things are going to be wild cards that – you know, the more wild cards there are, that 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 only impacts the, the better teams. You know, like you said, like the top of the show or the top of the segment, like you know, the Giants. Okay, they ain't got no shot really, but hey, making things a little more crazy and up in the air, you know, gives them at least more of a chance because they don't got to be great for 162 games. They only got to be great for 60, yeah. and really, maybe they only got to be great for 40. You know, they could be great for yeah. a short time period, and that could be enough to make the playoffs. That's how tense this is. So. For the, on the flip side, the same thing with the with the Dodgers, where maybe in a regular season they would have been great for a hundred, but maybe they they start off slow. There's no there is no starting off slow now. You don't even have a, a whole half of a season. Like what we're gonna get right now is the equivalent of what we would see in April and May, and that's the season. Like imagine, think about the standings we normally see and who's in first and where teams are in April and May in a normal baseball season, and then maybe yeah. like the beginning of June. That's pretty much what we're getting with sixty games. That's the season. So the Dodgers, considering all the pressure that's on them, they're the team that I'm most, I, mean, I am very curious to watch. But to me, uh, the story I think I'm most interested to watch overall is the, the, the DH situation. Because how these teams adjust the DH situation, I think, will determine whether or not we never see a pitcher come up to bat again. Unless it's Shohei Itani, like, who ironically <laughs> plays on the American League team. Because, you know, we know that baseball has been slowly moving in this direction for a long time. And this COVID pandemic made it convenient for them to give it a shot this year. Though, can you actually explain to me why we're doing it like this? Is it because they're playing so many games against the American League? So, therefore, like, it's kind of weird to have them going back and forth. Like, I don't – I feel like whatever the, the reasoning was for why we're not we – we, we have a DH in both leagues, it was never really explained. I feel like they just said it was happening. And I was like, okay. And I may sound like an idiot because maybe it was very obvious that I'm not getting it. But I don't. I don't yeah. remember what it is. 
Look, I mean, I was the idiot that initially I was like, wait, so why why does why does the World Series have to be played in a warm weather warm weather uh, <laughs> city? And I was like, oh wait, because you can't play baseball. Yeah, uh, you can't play baseball in in, in, uh, in, 12, in ten degree weather in 12, 12 inches of snow. In Milwaukee, like what? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, the Universal DH. That's that's also been another one where I've kind of wondered. I mean, look, I think part of it is the experiment. You know, I think they're not afraid to to want to experiment. I think there is a a a logical reason why they're doing it now. Um, I just always assumed it was something to do with just like load management and just it's just easier. Um, but from a from a health perspective, I'm not I'm not sure how the the universal DH uh, would help you that much. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I didn't get it. I'm still trying to figure it out. But one thing I will say is. This is going to be crazy because the Mets had a situation where, you know, DeGrom comes out of a simulated game because of back tightness. My thought is season's over. And that's crazy because I would never think that if this was a 162-game season, I'd be like, oh, man, this is a bad start. But, okay, you get him back in a month or two. He gets in shape. Maybe we able to play 500 ball and we make a run. This situation with the season being so short made me think season's over. Like, you he misses five starts. There's no way we win. We're making the playoffs. <laughs> they, that means he starts in the season. <laughs> like, like, he, like, you know, luckily for him, lucky for me as a Mets fan, you know, I wear his Mets shirt as do this podcast. Degrom, you know, they're saying he's fine. They think he thinks he'll start opening day, but that's why so, that's how crazy the season is. I mean, teams are going to be offed just by a guy pulling a hamstring. Like, oh, you're done. Like, the, the, you can't afford um, that guy to be out three weeks. Like, we don't got that much time, homie. Yeah. The, I was just going to say, um, yeah, so the whole thing about the universal DH was in part, yes, about load management for pitchers, you, you know, just them not having to take at-bats, uh, but then also giving more uh, position players at-bats, you know, because oh, it's going to so, be less at-bats. So you know. get them more in the groove. Okay. You, you get more at-bats for position players and pitchers who really don't need or want to be taking at-bats anyway. You got to give them more rest. And load management during you know obviously these odd times. So, I, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. It, 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 no, it's, it's a conven- no it's, it is a convenient excuse, but I get it. Yeah, it's, I, it's, it's, it's a reasonable one. At this twenty four seven, you know, like there's no there's no, there's nothing really special about this compared to a normal sense. But I guess they're saying because again, a shorter season, you know, you want to give guys, if you want to give other guys more of a rip, then you give them. A time gives them time playing DH, which I, I can see that. Um, I just the one thing you know, I'm, I'm I am a pro non DH guy, of course. I'm the team, I'm I'm for in a nationally team, so that's obvious. And I don't want to get into a whole DH argument here because most of those arguments, every time I see it, it takes like an hour to settle on anything. But <laughs> I do feel like, every, I mean, am I wrong? Every time I see people argue this, it never gets settled in a timely manner, and like everyone has strong takes on this. But yeah. what I will say is, I, that's the one thing I mean, I'm going to miss. Like, while I, it's something I'm, I'm watching closely because I feel like this could be the window to the the inevitable future of base, baseball forever. Like, we'll never go back once the DH is installed in both leagues. Uh, man, like, there's something about, like, the strategy that goes beyond, like, using your bullpen when you have a DH situation that will be 100% lost if you don't have one. Like, I'm not saying that strategy is gone, but, again... It ain't an accident that the, the kid that was uh, 
the kid that was in uh in, in uh what's it called? What's that movie? Uh, Little Big League. In action, he was he was he was he was uh, managing a team with a DH. Like, they thought a twelve year old could manage a team with a DH in Hollywood, yeah. and I don't think that's an accident. In fact, they had a line in there saying it is a DH. Maybe he could do it. Like that's 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 like that's that that's something that as a right. baseball purist that I am, I will miss this season, and I hope that it's not something that's permanent. But I do want to see how it works out, and I'm curious if there's going to be some kind of uh, some kind of advantage for you know certain teams like the, you know the American teams have an advantage because their team their rosters are built more to have a DH, or will you know will there be no problem? Will nationally teams not get to play guys who never would have got there at bats they normally do, and now those guys play much better? Like it's hard to tell. Yeah, I mean that. Look, as someone who played MLB the show, luckily I, I have a, a PlayStation device. Sad EJ. Yeah, man. why you gotta do that to me, man? You know this this conversation is making me. As soon as we when we started talking baseball, I'm doing the prep for the show. I'm saying to myself, yo, man, I'm about to just buy this PS4. <laughs> I'm about to just do it. I'm about to spend essentially three hundred dollars just to play a baseball game. As, as I got as, a vacation coming up in two weeks, like. Yeah, man, you're like, I need that game. I don't even know where it's going to... I have an Xbox, by the way, for the people at home. I don't even know where I'm going to put... Where I will put this device. Yeah, buy RBI, buy RBI Baseball, man. No, that's not happening, man. No, <laughs> so, show. as somebody who who played MLB The Show, I can I can attest to the fact that... And I have a... As mode where I'm playing with a, an American League team, the Tampa Bay Rays. I can attest to the fact that um, you do build your roster... Based on whether or not you get DH or not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I was on a National League team, my bench would be a little would be a little thinner because I, I don't have the DH spot. So, I yeah, I mean that that that's a legitimate thing that American League teams will have an advantage on. Um, but I, I mean, at the end of the day, money is still money. You know the, that whatever money they were going to spend is allocated someplace else. Uh, maybe it's allocated in you know you know building the stadium that's going to be empty. I don't know, but. Um, yeah, no, I mean, this is going to be an interesting season. I, w- what teams do you look at and say, you know, they may surprise people, um, you know, or they may surprise people in a bad way. They may, they, you know, they, 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 they may be a little overrated or a team that you may feel maybe a little underrated mm-hmm. coming into the season. So it's funny. The team I keep reading and the team I'm starting to believe in that definitely could uh, could surprise people this year is the Cincinnati Reds. And yeah. and and when you look at the Cincinnati they Reds, the they made some really good moves in the offseason. You got uh you got um Markakis. Um they have a pretty solid rotation already. And they're in a terrible division. And they also have speaking of DHs, they they are also a team that has a lineup that's actually set up well to infuse the DH. Like they have a lot of players who were terrible defensively that now with the DH it gives them more freedom. Yes. You already got Eugenio uh Suarez at third base who now he's coming off his shoulder injury. He's been able to heal more because of the fact that he's had uh time off with this COVID situation. And it's a shortened season. So you got a team with some bats, a decent rotation. Uh they're gonna be a dangerous team. Other team, I know this is another uh you know um it's another uh, team in the National League, but the Padres. Uh, second year with uh, Manny. You got Manny in the second year. You got uh, a hell of a bullpen. I mean, Kirby Yates was the most unhittable reliever in baseball last year. 
And I don't know if a lot of people really knew how dominant he was when you look at his statistics. Uh, so you got a great bullpen. You got Chris Paddock uh, in, in the rotation. You got uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. The division is is um you know it's tough because the the, the Diamondbacks are a respectable team. They just added Bumgarner. We know the Dodgers are a monster. But... No Giants can be tough. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> the, the top two teams in that division, then you know one team is a juggernaut. The other team is going to be a team that's probably going to compete for a playoff spot. So that can be tricky. But again, in the shortened season, uh, teams with good bullpens that that's gonna that's gonna mean a lot. I think with this situation because teams that you know. And you know, in in other seasons where you may be like, oh man, I don't want to tax my bullpen. This is going to be a season where you're like, yo, I need this out. You're going two innings. Like we got to win this game. Like they have the arm to do that. Like other teams won't have that kind of firepower in the bullpen. Um, they're a young team, so so that's the thing about you know what's going to happen. But but uh, those are two teams I, I look at now. You know, as a Met fan who's hoping my team can scratch out. It's not a division win, obviously a wild card spot. Those teams I have my eye on as teams that could be uh, trouble that maybe I wouldn't have expected to to make a run. Yeah, um, in the National League, uh, well, first I'll start in the American. The American League, a team that I think could be a little uh, that could surprise some people. I'm gonna say Boston. I know a lot of people are down on Boston. Yeah, I don't believe in them. You know, you Mookie bets. That's a major loss. Uh, um, the rotation. I don't know who's. I don't know who's pitching. You know, yeah, Evaldi, but you know, the rotation is a lot of minor league names. You know, so we'll see what that. And look, they, there's a lot. It's been a lot of turnover, so I can see why people um, are suspect on Boston. The entire organization has been turnover. Um, but I'm just. I'm still always skeptical about. You know, counting out that Red Sox organization. Um, you still got Bogarts. Uh, you still got Rafael Devers. You still got J.D. Martinez. I I don't know if they're going to be as bad as people think. And again, a 60-game season, they're going to be a team. There's going to be some team that no one expects to be good. That's going to be good. It's just it's going to make the playoffs. Um, I don't know who that team will be, but I think, I think in the National League, I, I, I wouldn't count out um, the Boston Red Sox. Um, I mean the American League. And the American League, rather. Um, in the National League, mm-hmm. I'm looking at a team that under under uh, performed last season, a team that kind of, you know, had a lot of hype but didn't do as much as maybe they would have expected. Uh, I think the Phillies could be pretty good this year. Um, I think they were overhyped last season. Um I think a lot of people thought because they got Harper, uh, Real Muto, that they just all of a sudden be good. Um, and, I mean, I, I, they were better. But at the end of the day, I mean, uh, Gabe Kapler uh, is now in San Francisco for a reason, because they underperformed. But you bring in Joe Girardi, and I think Joe Girardi gives them a sense of legitimacy, gives them a sense of been there. And I think that's something that they've needed, or they needed last season. You know, I think Gabe Kapler... Well, Gabe Kapler is a is a certainly a smart manager. He's certainly a guy that that you know leans on the analytics. I think his act just wore really thin in Philadelphia. I think fans didn't like him. They didn't they didn't believe in some of the stuff he'd preach. 
about, you know, resting pitchers and not throwing as many pitches and mm-hmm. some of the other some of the other tactics he would use. That stuff is going to get loved in San Francisco, you know, out in Silicon Valley. They're going to be like, wow, this guy, man, he's light years ahead of the game, just like the Warriors. <laughs> but um, but in, in Philly, they're, they're not buying that stuff. So I think Joe Girardi bring your old, your more old school name. Uh, he gets his boy D.D. Gregorius in there. And I think Harper could have a better year, you know. So I I, I think Philly has a chance in the in that in the uh, NL East, which I think is still is still winnable. You know, I think Washington uh, could take a step back this year. Yeah, I mean they um, lost Rendon. Rendon, yeah, that's a killer. I mean that guy was that guy was a monster in the clutch. Yeah, I mean you don't talk about you maybe the best you might be the best clutch hitter in baseball last year. Like if you're yeah. being honest, like. There was nobody you wanted to play more than him in a big spot. It's crazy I, how he grew with that no, kind of player. But that he you know, I mean, I want to see what the Angels look like. I as do well. too. I think the Angels, the Angels got a lineup. Yeah, I mean, I don't like. Hopefully, I mean, has Trout? Is, did Trout say he's going to play, or is that still I, up in the air? I mean, I think he's going to play. Now I feel it's still up in the air. Right. The season starts in a week, so yeah, he's, so he's he better decided back tomorrow. Yeah, I'm assuming he's going to play. If he hasn't said anything, but right. yeah, if Trout plays, yeah, L.A. Trout, Simmons, Shohei, Rondon, maybe Upton, you know, comes around after a terrible year last year. They got yeah. bats. Now they got no arms, but it's sixty yeah. games. But, oh, <laughs> like oh, it's sixty oh, games. Like you know, you might be able to get but, away with it. Otani's back as a pitcher as well, right? And you do have him back as a pitcher, so that's one arm at so least. That, yeah. You know what? What he, the, what does he look like? You know, coming off of Tommy John and having not right. pitched in a year is going to be a massive storyline uh, in the American League. Uh, they were actually having a debate on MLB Network um, between uh, Al Leiter and and Harold Reynolds about uh, whether or not Otani is the most talented player in in the game of baseball. Of course, to me, <laughs> yeah. of course he is. Yeah, I feel like. You know, Al Leiter wanted to make the case that you you know we'll not put him in the Hall of Fame yet. He hasn't done anything. Blah blah blah. That has I nothing mean, to do with the question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is there, is no, there is no there is no player in the game that can throw right, ninety eight right. you know with a nasty curveball and then at the same time hit four hundred foot bombs. It yeah, there's, there's nobody in baseball that can give me seven solid and also <laughs> hit three home runs in a game. No, there's nobody that can do that. He's by far the most talented guy. Is he the best player? That's a different conversation. Right. Because you got to right. think about what is his value in each of those two things. Yeah. I would not say he's the best player. Mike Trout is, to me, by far the best player. But yeah. is he the most talented player? Yes, Mike Trout. Mike, Mike Trout. If he went yeah. on the mound and, and, and was had, was forced to, to, to start, he, he wouldn't get out of the first inning. <laughs> so that's the end of the discussion. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm very excited. You know I was a big show Itani fan coming out. So yes. I'm excited. You introduce you know, our audience to Shohei. Yeah, man. Look, I'm telling you, I'm, I, you know, Kendall's court. It, we, you know, we make stars. <laughs> we, <laughs> we make stars here, Kendall's court, man. First people will talk about Luka Doncic. First people will talk about Shohei Otani. We'll, we'll see who's next. But, uh, I, you know, I'll keep that. I'll keep that on the wraps for the future. But no, I mean, there are a lot of storylines. How do you feel about your Mets? You know, how I feel do you like feel about, I feel like the I mean, I felt. Better before Degrom went down. It's crazy, man. Because I, I sent you a text about Degrom in the 2015 All Star game. Him when he he, he had three strikeouts and yeah. ten pitches. Yeah, and I it's funny because I remember that game and being like, and Joe Buck is like, this guy, 
he's the future of baseball. Yeah, that was like the introduction. Which is nuts. That's a crazy, like, talk about, like, I mean, you want to talk about, like, picture perfect kind of, like, commentary to match, like, some guy's first coming out party. Like, here's Jacob DeGrom, second year in the league, first time All-Star, pitching in the middle of an All-Star game. And Joe Buck, you know, number one voice in baseball. It's like, you want to tell me, you want to you see a guy who's got some stuff. Check out this guy, Jacob DeGrom. Ten pitches, three strikeouts. He's like, that guy right there is probably the future of baseball. <laughs> like, that's a hard, that's a big statement to make. And it wasn't like, you know, DeGrom, you know, was a star, but it wasn't like, you know, you knew he was going to be what he is now. So, like, the fact that he said that, I'm like, that's, like, kind of ominous and crazy. DeGrom, of course, would go on to win two straight Cy Youngs. I mean, with the Metsies, look, the National League East, I think, is going to be the most fun league to watch because... You have the Braves, who won't have Freeman, and Nick Markakis, who's opting out of the season. The Braves are still a very good team, but those are two big pieces of their lineup. And just the, the locker room. Forget about just even the lineup. I mean, those are the leaders of the team. And they're like, nah, we ain't coming, we ain't playing this year. Well, he's one of them. Is. The other guy is is, is, is recovering. Yeah. So, And Ryan, Ryan Zimmerman is not playing in Washington. Right, and then you got Zimmerman not playing in Washington. Now, he might not be the player he used to be, but he's also another, again, another locker room leader, and they just lost Rendon. So, now, the Braves, Nationals, too, again, still talented teams, but those are big losses. And I think we look at the Mets and the Phillies, they're kind of in the same spot, where they're like, things went terribly wrong in certain aspects we didn't expect. And with the Mets, it was the bullpen. What happened to Diaz, no one really can explain. He just kept giving up home runs. Every other aspect of his stats, his strikeouts, his swing and miss rates, his walk rates, everything was the same from when he was a dominant pitcher playing in, uh, as a closer in Seattle. And he just kept getting up the long ball. He kept getting taken deep. And if you look at that and you say, okay, the bullpen was the only reason why they didn't make the playoffs last year. And yes, you got to kind of assume that Alonzo is going to be able to carry the lineup the way he did for so many long stretches of the year last year. But let's say even if he's 80% of what he was last year and the bullpen goes back to just normal, if Familia and um, and uh, now you got Dylan Patantis and then they had uh, Diaz in there, if they get those guys, okay, you lost uh, Syndergaard, that's a huge loss, but you know you do have Stroman still. I mean, the mess, they, they could make some noise. I think that they're, I think that they could be a sleeper in this 60-game season because you got a, a guy, again, like the ground at the top of your rotation, that's going to help you a lot because now those other games where you got maybe you have to piece together more bullpen games, you may be more willing to do that because you, you know, you know, the ground when he goes out there, he's giving you seven strong, maybe eight strong, like every time he goes out. You got a guy who's that dominant, that automatic, that that puts you at an advantage, I think, in a shortened season. So now the Mets, you no know, run support has been like just the ongoing gag about you know, how they, you know, try to take advantage of DeGrom's amazing starts. But with a line that looks way more potent than it's looked in years, with Jonas Cespedes hitting, you know, 440-foot bombs in, spring, in practice and saying that he's ready to go, and now he can DH, Mets might make some noise. I, I'm, not, I'm not, I don't know. I, I Right now, I think that they would be one of my playoff teams, but I don't know in terms of how deep they can go. It just depends because so much, so much can. I think, I think that they... I think they definitely can get a wild card spot. I think that when I look at the, the, the landscape, to me, first of all, I think they could win the division. Because I, I think the Braves and Nationals are, I mean, I, that's 
60 games and losing those guys they lost, like, that's a lot. Like, it wasn't like those teams were so much better than the Mets. They were better, but when you lose that many guys, the Mets Central lost one guy with Syndergaard. I, I think that and they, and the Mets to me are a team where the way their roster is constructed, they're most able to absorb their loss to the other teams. There, I, I I think the NL Central division you have to worry about. If you're talking about a wild card spot, I mean I I feel like Milwaukee, Chicago, um, and you mentioned Cincinnati. Those could be those could be, those all those teams could compete for playoff spots. Maybe last year was Chicago's cliff, but it just to me feels like Chicago is nearing a cliff, and we're about to see it very soon. Yeah. And now last year they weren't that good, but I'm talking about like a really like they're gonna fall apart really badly, and I feel like that's this year. Now this is 60 yeah. games, so again that that's how I would have felt if the season started normally with, but now it's these games. All right, well they may have a good 60 games. Yeah, I mean, you don't know how long Chris Bryant going to be there. Shea going to be all in it, you know. Yeah, he don't, don't sound know. like he want to be there. Last time I heard him talk about playing baseball. And look, <laughs> right. that's real. Like, like, yeah, I'm not dissing him about that. Like, he, he, he doesn't feel comfortable, and I don't blame him. But that's real, and that's part of the reason why I'm not sure about them as a whole. Yeah. You know, I know Hendricks is starting opening day, but you know who's going to be behind him? Is you Darvish? What is you Darvish at this point in his career? Is he a real number two type guy? Because he isn't a shame we're asking that question because the, uh, the Astros uh, cheated him out of a, out of a World Series. <laughs> he, he he looked garbage in that World Series. He was getting clobbered in that World Series. He was getting clobbered. We're like what is you know you Darvish? Know how much money like, they cost man. him probably? <laughs> you know how much bread he lost because of that World Series? On the biggest stage, man, they just they absolutely cheated him out of, out of millions of dollars. <laughs> that's Tens that's, of millions, bro. That's crazy, man. And Darvis, you know, after a you know, rough first year injury riddle, he, he pitched pretty well last year. He was okay. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I just – it feels like the, the Cubs' time kind of came and went. I, I You know, and Milwaukee, and Milwaukee kind of feels the same way. They've lost some guy. They lost Grandal, and you know, you got Hater in the bullpen. You know he's still a monster. You got Yelich, but you, you're you're relying on guy on those guys to really continue to be dominant players, and you're relying on other guys like Lorenzo Cain, who's been through he's been through the ringer, man. He's 34 years old. Like, I I, I don't know. I I think that the the Mets have better rosters than those teams. So I'm not sure. If, I'm not saying they're not a threat, but I think that the National League East is looking like a two-team division again in terms of like two teams coming out the wild card. So I'm I'm looking there first for like who are the teams that are going to be an issue. And then when I look second, then yeah, I know those teams are going to matter. But I think that the team who wins that division, I don't think is going to have a totally. I don't know what a lot of wins anymore is, but I guess 40 will probably be a lot of wins. I would assume. I don't that I don't think anybody's winning 40 games in that division. You know what I'm saying? I think that's going to be a division that's going to be kind of nip and tuck, and whoever wins, the win total is going to be the equivalent of like 88 games, something like that, or 87 games. That's that's not right. a now, not a normal 95 win team champion, in my opinion. As I, as I look at the Major League Baseball landscape again, I think there's going to be a lot of parity this season. Um, honestly, I think the Yankees might be the only team where I'm like they're locked to make the playoffs. I just oh the Dodgers too, the Yankees and Dodgers to me. 
Yeah, I'll say the Dodgers as well. The Dodgers are very talented. Yeah, the Yankees are locked. I totally agree with that. Like, I'd, be no, I, I'd be shocked if they didn't make the playoffs. I don't care for 60 games. Yeah. You know, add Garrett Cole to what they already have in the lineup. I mean, I mean, the fact that I, they lost I, they hurt. lost Chapman to COVID and they replaced him with Zach Britton. Like, yeah. Come, come on, man. Like, yeah. seriously? Well, sorry, we lost our 100-mile-an-hour fastball closer. Oh, two, oh, we got a multiple-time closer just sitting there ready to set up. Now he's a closer. Oh, well, I guess we'll be okay. Like, who, what, what team has that? I think Gleyber Torres is going to have a huge year also. I think yeah. he's, he's ready to break out. And it's he's crazy a, we say he's, he's ready to break out. He's already been a superstar in my eyes. Yeah, he's <laughs> multiple-time also. Yeah, like, it's crazy how we talk about him like that. And it's funny how, like, you know, like, you know, Met fans, when we're talking about what's going to happen with Syndergaard, and where is he going to get traded? And the question was like, well, if we trade him to the Yankees, we got to ask for Torres. And I'm like, we what, are you, what are you on? Yeah. Like, Why on, have you seen Syndergaard pitch in the last two years? And I love Thor. Shout out to Thor. But he has not been the same Thor for a while now. And you're talking about a guy who came in the league, rookie, rookie, uh, first year rookie All-Star. Second year, he had 39 home runs, made the All-Star game again. 38 home runs, I'm sorry. Like, he had, like, come on. Like, like, some of this stuff is just ridiculous. But, yeah, I, I, to say that, say, yes, I agree. Torres is about to break out, and he's only, like, 23 years old. It's crazy how good that kid is. Yeah, so, I, look, I mean, I think the Yankees are going to be dangerous. Do you, do you have a, uh, a World Series prediction? My World Series prediction, Kendall, I'm going to go... It's so weird because of how the season is. Yeah, man. It's so weird because you just don't. It's like, yo, who's going to start out well? Like, what team? Like, teams can't afford to come out slow at the gate. I must, and then, like, okay, when they start out well, but will they be playing well by the time they get to the playoffs? Like, it's so, because it's 60, it's 60. It's so weird. I'm going to say in the National League, I don't think it's going to be Dodge. I think that this pressure is going to swallow them up again. And I think the season is going to be weird. I'm going to say in the National League. Uh, I'll go with the. Uh, I'll go with the D-backs. Arizona. So it's a little bit of a off the radar pick. And we haven't talked about them much. But good pitching. Good lineup. They feel the kind of team that, I, I, again, 60-game season. I think they can get off to a good start. And if it's not going to be the Dodgers, it's got to be somebody else. And everybody else feels weird. Like, there's no team that you can feel strongly about besides the Dodgers. But I, I don't think they're going to get there this year. I think that they're going to run into some issues with this formatting. And I'll, and I'll say the Yankees in the American League. I'm going to say the Yankees win it all. So we have a rematch of the 2001 World Series. Um, in the for me, look, I think in the American League, I'm gonna go off the board as well. Off in terms of a team that we haven't talked about, uh, I'm gonna go with the uh, Oakland A's in the American League. Oakland A's are good. Yeah, the Oakland A's, man, they've got some talent. Um, and I just feel like they're a franchise that's just they're kind of waiting to bust, man. They're just waiting to, to blow yeah, up. Yeah, blow up. They're waiting for their moment. And this might be kind of the perfect weird time. It's kind of when people talk about like, the Rockets. 
where it's like this this bubble restart might be the perfect time for them to just win a championship because I don't know if you can conventionally win a championship uh, playing the way they do. Um, I think this may be a this may be a time where look if if you're if you're Billy Bean this may be the best time for you to try and win a championship. Um, I, I think they're they're deep they're talented um, not a whole lot of box office names but guys that were really good last year you know Matt Chapman. Liam Hendricks was really good, so I, I mean I, I'm gonna go with uh, Oakland uh, in the American League and in the National League. It, it's tough because again, like you said, the, the National League I, f- I feel is a little more wide open than, than the American League. So although I think every I think although they both leagues are wide open, I think the National League is certainly wide open. Um, I think Milwaukee has a chance to be really good this year. I, I, I'm, I, I may be putting a lot of putting a lot of stock, um, in uh, in Christian Yelich, uh, Hater, some of these guys, but I think Milwaukee could be really good. Um, well, they're one of the teams to me where if they get there, they're dangerous because they know what they're doing. Exactly. Um, that's kind of why though I like the D-backs even though they haven't got there collectively they have guys that have gotten there and that's also dangerous like Granky right. and M- Gum Gun Garner get them to my October I feel really good 100% yeah Bum I feel, Garner, I feel, yeah. Re- I feel yeah. really good I don't yeah, know what the 60 the- games are going to look like but if I get them there I'm I'm riding with those guys right yeah, so I, I I think I'm gonna go with Milwaukee. Um, so Milwaukee, Oakland, uh, that that is uh, that is Rob Manfred's worst nightmare. Rob Manfred, yeah, absolutely worst case. I mean, look, you got Christian Yelich, who you know is one of the five best players in the game. Uh, one of the guys are certainly trying to market as you know a household name, so that'd be good. But in terms of you know the cities involved, the franchises involved. The players involved, <laughs> certainly not ideal. You know, I look. They want Yankees, Dodgers for obvious reasons. Uh, the season is the Ash- most likely reason why they won't get it because of the formatting. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, team, the team, the most talent aren't necessarily in the best position right now. The other team, the, so the other team. You know, I, I, I nationally, I think, I think it's a scrap heat uh, or crap shoot rather. <laughs> Different phrase. Uh, <laughs> And some some may recall it a scrap heat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah was... but but I do think it's kind of a crap shoot outside the Dodgers, and then it's just about can one team outplay them in one series, and who knows what what can happen. Um, in the American League, I think the Yankees have, even though I haven't getting out, I think they have way more teams to worry about. And I know you mentioned the A's. I think that and I know this this team Yankee fans are gonna laugh when I mention this team. But the Twins, I think, are a problem. And I know the Twins can never beat the Yankees. No. But think about we're playing these games in the warmest weather. You have a team that hits the most home runs, and they just added Josh Donaldson. Like, I think the Twins are going to run away with the Central. I think they are going to run. I think it's going to be immediate. I think that, that division is going to be over, I think, very quickly. And they're going to be able to to rest 
they don't. I don't think they, they have another team in that division that's going to really, really be competitive. The Yankees, I think, will have the Rays. That will, they'll be in it. They're a good team. Um, and you know how they take the Red Sox seriously. I think they're you're a team that won't be playing as high intensity baseball as much as the Yankees. And when it comes to you know records, I think that the the Twins are going to be a, a team to, to 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 watch. I think that that's going to be the ALCS to me. I can see that. Um, Tampa Bay could be pretty good as well. Tampa Bay is really good too. No you know, they, 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 the American League is really good. It's way better than the National League. I know. I know. I'm saying the Dodgers will somehow choke this away again, but that's more for them, not for the other teams. I think the Braves are overrated. I'm gonna say it, man. Well, they lost two of their best players. I I, I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs. Lose Donaldson. You lose Freeman. They lost Keuchel. I mean, they got Cole Hamels, but I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, no, I don't think I don't think the Braves are making the Cole playoffs. Hamels, I think that you're gonna have a new division champion, and I don't think, I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs. I think they've lost too much. Kuna would have to really, really take a, take the next step. I mean, they and they you know look, man, the kid's a stud. So, but he's one man. Yeah, he's, he's one player. Last year he you was know? on a stacked roster. That roster doesn't look nearly as stacked anymore. You know, I, I I think that I think that there's a there's a very good chance if you're picking a team, I think to say, wow, that team was great last year and they didn't make the playoffs. They're the first team I'm looking at. Which is crazy because they won the division so easily. They were in a tough division, but the the the, the fight wasn't amongst the, who would win the division. It was like, what team of this division is going to make the wild card? Yeah, like they ran away with the division very quickly. Like, I again, I don't, I think they might not make the playoffs. I really think that the lack of locker room leadership that they lost, the lack of production that they've now lost, I think that's going to hurt them. Two um, two bad teams that I'm going to be paying attention to. Last thing for me is. Obviously the Giants. Um, oh, Jesus. Sorry no about that. Surprise. Yeah, I know. You know, but Buster Posey, you know, taking the season off is kind of a could I, it could end up being a, a blessing in disguise. I'm sure Posey COVID. had great reasons to not play because of COVID, but for the sake of the jokes, Posey saw that roster and was just like, "Nah, I'm good. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. good." <laughs> yeah, he, he gave a, that man's a three-time champion. He he. Ain't, I told you I don't I don't think that Posey's ever gonna play another game for the Giants. That's my hot take. Yeah, that's a sad that's a sad uh that's a sad take. Look, <laughs> I, 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 told you, I told you it might be for the best in terms of where the organization's headed. We gotta move on from that era. We got rid of Bumgarner. It was it was a sad day. But we've been holding on to some guys and we've had a history as an organization of holding on to guys a little too long. So hopefully we can kind of move on from that era. It was a great era, but look at the Boston Celtics. I'm a Boston Celtics fan. We didn't hold on to Paul Pierce and Ray Allen and KG for, you know, 20 years. And, you know, Rondo and, like, eventually you got to get rid of some of these guys. And, I mean, I look at the Giants and say, look, you got to kind of weed out some of the guys from that last era. Um, Posey's the one guy, look, if he ends his career as a Giant, to me that's great. Um, but the reason I'm paying attention to the Giants this year, Joey Bart. Kid, we drafted number two in the draft a couple years ago. You know, it was a catcher. It was it was alarming at the time that oh, you draft a catcher, you have Buster Posey. How is this going to work? Now Posey's out. Will Joey Bart get some at bats? Will will this kind of push his, you know, estimated time of arrival? So that's something I'll be paying attention to. And the Giants they drafted the catcher this year, which 
I couldn't really explain to you why we draft a catcher two out of three drafts in the first round in the top like 10. But um, but also the Detroit Tigers, another team that added they have two. They've had two number one picks in the last three years. Uh, Casey Mize, two years ago, a pitcher out of Auburn. And this year they drafted Spencer, Spencer Torkelson, uh, our first baseman out of Arizona State. Both those guys are on their 60-man roster, uh, active roster, um, or whatever. I wouldn't even consider it an active roster, but whatever you would designate it as. Uh, so those are guys, we're not going to see them opening day more than likely, but if as the season progresses, there's no minor league baseball, so they may feel it may be worth it to have those guys get reps on, in the majors. So that's what's going to be most fascinating about, honestly, this season in general. I mean, the fact there's no minor league baseball, how's that going to work? So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm very excited to see that. So uh, those are two bad teams that I'll be paying attention to. Hopefully the Giants, if we're not competing for a postseason spot, can take their can tank their way to the bottom. Hey, you, you, you mentioned bad teams, and this is a team that was a bad team, but some people think maybe a good team. You were talking about young talent. Watch out for the Chicago White Sox. Yeah. They're loaded with young talent. Yeah. Luis Robert, arguably the best prospect in baseball. Got Juan Mankato, who they, they got in the um, uh, in the trade with Chris Sale. Yeah, awesome. Um, no, Aloy uh, Jimenez. Anderson. Anderson. Tim Anderson. Like, they, they, they got a lot of young talent. And there are some people who think that I was know, watching, they, also yeah. had, they also had Dallas Keuchel, too, in the, to the rotation. So there's some people that think that they may – I think that the Twins are still considerably better. But there are some people that think that they may take a, a big jump, especially in 60 games. These kids come in and, you know, without the time to adjust to some of these players, maybe these guys get off to a really hot start, which is possible. I just don't think it's going to happen, but it's possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I'm just, I'm very excited. You know, I was watching interviews with the White Sox this, earlier today, so you know, it shows you that where how, where my fever pitches for baseball. If I'm watching intra squad reps between the Chicago White Sox, but by this time, by this time, we'll be fully invested in the baseball season. Yeah, man, so we be you know, talking about the trade deadline, right? Yeah, so like the the, the biological clock is already ready. Like we're already ready for this. We've been ready for this. So, and I like. As we said earlier, like for all the sports where um, we're having a short season, like, you know, I think it's kind of a joke or kind of cheapens it. While this is cheapened, I think if there's any sport that's going to be way more exciting because of the shortened season, this is the sport. This sport yeah. may be more, way more exciting than it normally is because of the fact that the season is so short and every game means so much. Um, but, Kendall, let's uh, get out of here with Kendall's court. So, what do you got for us today? Yeah, Kendall's Court, we talked about a little college basketball uh, story in the beginning with Jonathan Kaminga uh, turning down college basketball. We do have some good news for the sport of college basketball because a five-star top ten player did decide to play college basketball. And uh, drum roll, it was Musa Cisse, kid from Memphis, who we've talked about on the Uncommitted podcast. We will talk about him next month again. Uh, decided to commit to Memphis. So, you know, congrats to Penny Hardaway. Congrats to the Memphis Tigers, but um, yeah, it was a huge, huge get. He reclassified, reclassified uh, which is becoming a whole concept that's kind of annoying in general. Like, we just mentioned it with Kuminga, like it's confusing. He reclassified, but I mean, you know, he, I, it, if a guy can reclassify, they almost always will. You know, if they're eligible for the draft, it doesn't make sense why you wouldn't if you're a top guy, but. Uh, so, yeah, he decided to play with his actual age group so he can get to the NBA draft as early as possible. And 
you know, it's going to be a very, very huge get for uh, it's, it's a huge get for Penny Hardaway, which we'll talk about on the podcast. But he's because obviously they didn't get Jalen Green. You know, we talked to Kobe, Cody Topper, and Sisson at Memphis about that on our show and how that was a blow. But he, it, during that podcast, he assured to us that, you know, they, they had plans to bring in other, they continue recruiting very elite players to play uh, for their program. And maybe this was one of the guys he was hinting at, you know, when you end up getting a guy like Musa Cisse a couple of months later. So, um, when you're talking about Musa Cisse, just an elite, elite, elite shot blocker. I mean, he had a game out in Memphis where he averaged, where he had 21 blocks in one game. So you're talking about the elite of the elite when it comes to just shot blocking, you know, and being a, an athlete and a defensive presence. Offensive game needs massive amount of ma- massive amounts of work. But when you're talking about the college basketball level, you're talking about the American Conference, whatever college basketball looks like this year, if it is a thing, um, you know, you're not worried about him being uh, some back to the basket presence. Uh, just if he's blocking ten shots. In a game, if he blocks four shots a game, I don't think, I don't think Memphis is going to complain. They have enough perimeter options uh, since they're bringing a lot of guys back. So look, I think Memphis is going to be really good next year, whatever next year looks like. And I, this again, just from the momentum of the Memphis program, they needed this after losing out on Jalen Green, lost out last year on R.J. Hampton, they lost James Wiseman, you lose Mike Miller. It was, there were some questions about, all right, is this Penny thing? I think I thought the, the questions were kind of illegitimate because we were getting guys that we were getting players, unlike Tubby Smith, who was getting nobody. But so it was still it was still a, it was, if you compare it to where we were before, it's still a massive step up. But there were some questions about can this guy really win a national championship? That's what he's been talking about. Is that even a, is that a viable goal? Getting a guy like Musa Cisse give you the give you the 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 hope that look, there's still He's still Penny Hardaway. There will still be assistance that will, you know, help him get players and situations. So they will still have five-star recruits. So ultimately, uh, very, very, very big get for Penny Hardaway. Um, you know, we talked about this last month. No surprise. Uh, you know, I, I think we, we figured that this would end up being the situation where he would go, despite there being a lot of LSU talk, and that's what ended up happening. Yeah, I mean, you know, shout-out to Penny Hardaway. Memphis program, I think this was a, I think this was a got to get him kind of recruit for me for Memphis. Yeah, I think the momentum of the program is going in the wrong direction. I think that that's a fair assessment. I know maybe people say that's unfair because like okay, just because we all thought Penny would be at a certain place, why were we gonna say oh because one season that didn't get completed, but we didn't see what the future was, didn't go out maybe as we hoped. Um, should we? feel that way but look man as we, as we talk about all the time on the uncommitted or this podcast man college sports so much is about momentum whether or not as a coaching staff and as a program you can capitalize on momentum memphis was the hottest program in the country just not that long ago and they're yeah, not they're not oh, now suspended yeah right they're not now and you can argue whose fault it is or why it happened but it happened so, again, Kendall talks about, you know, the, the, the expectation that was set by Penny Hardaway is we're winning a national championship. And now the fever pitch around everybody trying to get to Memphis is no longer there. Wiseman got suspended. Green took the cash from the G League. 
Um, Mike Miller left. There are some things. Some guys got to Memphis and didn't play as well as we thought. Like, there are some things that you look at and say, all right, is Penny just another great recruiter? But maybe or is, is this team really going to be ever serious about you know trying to win a national championship or putting it back on the level it that John Calipari had? It's more the Josh Pastor stuff. Right, That's yeah. Easy. Right, yeah, because Memphis has recruited well even after John Calipari. It's been about are you winning games and – and are you competing on a national level? And th- look again, fair or unfair, that was the question that we're going to be asked. And with, with recruiting and with college programs, you guys, you got to control the momentum. You got to control the narrative. So Penny being able to scoop this kid, uh, Musa Cisse, and we know offensively he's he's uh, still coming along. But the idea that you're you're able to assign a recruit of that magnitude. A guy who will be able to at least contribute on the defensive end shows other recruits, puts other teams on notice that no Memphis is still here. We're still ready to rock your rock your skulls on the recruiting scale. On the recruiting scale, uh, uh, the, the recruiting. Um, why can't I say the word trail? Um, and, and and when we get start to develop this talent, we're going to be a serious contender. We're going to be a serious player. Memphis has been in the conversation with a lot of the top guys and them being able to show us that they could still get some of these top guys, it's important. It's important. So this, this is a big get. I hope uh, Musa has a great time over there playing for uh, and, Memphis Tigers. And don't don't think that Precious Deshua having as great a year as he did last year didn't play a role in this as well. Of course. Being another New York guy um, who ended up going to Memphis. Yeah, yeah we came, came over from Africa. Exactly. Uh, similar backgrounds, you know, it's not a surprise that Musa, and they were friends, so it's not a surprise that Musa <laughs> decided to, to follow him. You know, again, I'm surprised more people didn't see this one coming. Yeah. But nonetheless, this this next season is going to be crucial for Memphis. I think that they got to have a yeah. good season on the court. And if they do, I, I think that we could be talking about Memphis being serious the next following year, like in terms of championship yeah. contender. But that's how important this thing is. Like, it's, it could turn on a dime. Like, it looked like things were going kind of south, and then you get a top 10 type recruit and a five star to go to Memphis, which is still eye opening, even though we may feel like, you know, Penny was supposed to do this. I mean, we don't see these kind of kids go to Memphis yeah, in man. the post Cal Parry era. So, him, okay, you got this kid. Okay, who else is going to come? And what kind of season are you going to have next year? If we have a next season, those are going to be uh, the interesting conversations to keep continuing and following with Memphis. That will do it for this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to this one. You can catch all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check us out on social media or on YouTube first. Uh, New Generation Media is our YouTube channel. Also, check us out on social media. We're on Twitter, uh, New Generation Pod, on Instagram, New Generation Podcast, and on Facebook, New Generation Media. Follow me on uh, Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, Action EJ. And when I talked about the YouTube and the, and the and our obviously our podcast, I don't. I'm a I'm a I'm a tease it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a make some make an announcement. Uh, we're expecting to soon have a very special guest as part of. I think we still got to decide whether it'll be sports talk or a separate YouTube video or a mixture of both. But yeah, but it's a special edition. Yes, a special edition coming very shortly. We're set to sit down and talk with uh, my good friend and uh, mentor. And you've seen him on Fox Sports 1. 
You've seen him, heard him maybe on the radio, on Fox Sports Radio. Rob Parker will be joining us to chat about sports very soon as well. That's expected to happen this weekend. And um, I'm pretty solid on this one. I know I've teased things before and had to come out weeks and weeks and weeks and eventually come out. This months. one, <laughs> months in some cases. But um, but this one I feel good about. So so be on the lookout for that. You guys will be hearing that probably on not just uh, no, our our, our podcast uh, sources, but also on YouTube as well. So be on the lookout for that. Rob Parker, Fox Sports, coming to chat with us very shortly. That's it for now, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening in. For Kendall, for uh, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.